You're about to listen to a message from the Father's Church. The Father's Church is an assembly of believers committed to revealing the fatherhood of Almighty God to this generation through sound biblical teachings and corresponding moral conduct. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. going to be looking at a few things today. The theme for this conference is Arise God's Warrior. My title for the message is Arise Warrior Woman and the Ones Who Love Her. Of course, our text is Judges 4, 1 to 9. By the way, I followed online on Wednesday, so I know what Momichi covered and I'm not going to cover what she covered. There's just so much to learn from the woman Deborah, so we'll look at her. Judges 4, 1 to 9. Please accept otherwise stated all my Bible passages will be coming from KJV, not NKJV, KJV. And I start to read from one. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Harosheth of the Gentiles. Three. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had nine hundred chariots of iron and 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel and Deborah a prophetess the wife of Lapidot she judged Israel at that time and she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim and the children of Israel came up to her for judgment and she sent and called Barak the son of Abinoam out of Kedesh Naphtali and said unto him had not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali and of the children of Zebulun? And I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thine hand. And Barak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding, the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honor. For the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kedesh. Praise God. Judges 5. Let's look at 1, 6 and 7. 1 says, Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, on that day, saying, 6. In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were unoccupied, and the travelers walked through byways. The inhabitants of the villages ceased, they ceased in Israel until that I, Deborah, arose, comma, that I arose a mother in Israel. Let's look at that passage in the message translation. Deborah 5, let's look at 6 to 8. It says, In the time of Shangar, son of Anath, and in the time of Jael, public roads were abandoned. Travelers went by back roads. Warriors became fat and sloppy. No fight left in them. Then you, Deborah, rose up. Come on again. You got up a mother in Israel. God chose new leaders who then fought at the gates. Praise God. You know, we are looking at arise God's warriors, isn't it? And I said arise woman warrior and the ones who love her. Because I'm looking around and it's not only the queens that I'm seeing. 
So I'm going to be preaching a message for all of us who are here. The children, the young adults, our fathers, and then the mothers. Praise God. And I'm just going to appeal that if it touches you somewhere, take it. Praise God. Just take it. Don't say this person. They are talking to this other person. No, just take it as I'm going to be taking my own as well. Amen. Now, that Hebrew word there, arise, I like to check the origin of words. It matters because, you see, the Bible was not written in English. I'm sure we know that. Okay, so that um, word there is a Hebrew word and is the word kum. If you transliterate it, it's K-O-O-M. And it means to rise, to become, to accomplish, to rouse up, to stand up, to stir up, to awake to emerge, to prepare for action, to come to light, to succeed, to establish, to perform, to confirm. That's in the different shades, the different shades of meanings of that one word arise. Just that one word, because it's easy to just read it and not understand that it has other shades of meaning. Second Timothy 1.6, Paul writing to Timothy said something, said, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. You know, so there was a gift in Timothy. And Paul comes and says, that gift is in you. I've given it before. I've laid hands on you. It's come on you. It's come inside of you. Okay, but it's your duty to do what? To stir it up. That's what the Bible said. So we are looking at the story of Deborah. Okay, there are many women who lived during Bible times and made their mark. But none quite like Deborah. And I will explain that. Okay, none quite like Deborah. Ruth, you know, went from gleaning a field to owning the field. We already know the story of Ruth, okay? Rahab from being a prostitute to being in the pedigree of Jesus, the genealogy of Jesus. Holder was a prophetess, you know. And we also know some wicked ones, Ataliah, for example. She was both a queen and a queen consort, you know, but she was a mess. It's understandable because Ataliah had a relationship with Ahab and Jezebel. So you can see the progression. Her genealogy just showed the kind of person she ended up becoming. Praise God. So I want us to look at the background of Deborah before she came up. Let's look at her. Who was Deborah? Why are we looking at her today? There are many women in the Bible, but why are we learning from Deborah? Can we just look at the background? First of all, I want to say that a total of 13 judges. Okay, you know, after Joshua, the Lord ruled Israel through judges. You have to also understand that, you know, they were a stiff-necked people. They were extremely stubborn. I'm talking about the children of Israel. As stubborn as any group of people can be, even much more stubborn. Up till today, they are stubborn. At least they don't believe that Jesus has come, quite a number of them. We have Messianic Jews, yes. But some are still waiting for his first coming. They are extremely stubborn people. In fact, so stubborn that at some point, you know, God and Moses had to be, you know, comforting themselves. Praise God. That was how stubborn they were. So they'll do something. God will tell Moses, get out of the way. I will deal with them and then I'll make a people from you. Moses will say, bam, 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 God. No, don't do this. How can? What will people say? So Moses will comfort God. Then some other times, they'll do the one they'll do. Moses will say, God, just kill me. Kill me. I can't continue with these people. And God will say, no, don't say it. Abi, you were the one telling me last time. How far? extremely stubborn individuals and we are going to look a little into it now i'm saying this so that we can see that the times we are talking about are not quite different not so much removed from what we have now praise god so that we can learn the lessons from there amen so there were 13 judges in all 
Samuel was the last of the judges. Okay? Deborah was the fourth judge. Now, let's look at Judges 2, 7 to 8. This is giving us the background of when the judges ruled. What was happening in Israel that time. Judges 2, 7 to 8 says, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. Note, they served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old, verse 10. And also, all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. You need to understand this, you know, scenario. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods. Of the gods of the people that were around about them, and they bowed themselves unto them, and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord, and served Baal and Ashtoreth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about. So that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. This was Israel's story. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil. As the Lord had said and as the Lord had sworn unto them. And they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless. Somebody say nevertheless. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up who? Judges. Which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. 17. And yet, they would not hearken unto their judges. You have a problem. They give you a solution. You are fighting the solution. And they would not hearken unto their judges. Okay, 17. Yes. They turned quickly out of the way which, which their fathers walked in. Obeying the commandments of the Lord. But they did not so. 18, and when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of their hands of the enemies all the days of the judge. For it repented the Lord because of their groaning by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. 19, and it came to pass that when the judge died, that they did what? They returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn ways. Please, quickly. One more verse and we'll get into the First Samuel 3.1. Remember I said they, that the things we are, that were happening during the judges. You know, the time of the judges. The Bible said, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare, precious. Did you see the word precious? I think some other translations will say rare. Some will say scarce. In those days, there was no open vision. Judges 17.6 and Judges 21.5 are the same thing. And he says there, in those days there was no king in Israel, please note, but every man did what? That which was right in his own eyes. I said Judges 17.6. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. How many of us know is a recipe for disaster? Because what is right to you may be to kill me. So for you to have what is right, you come kill me. And then I lose my life. You know, it was chaotic. This was what was going on about the time that Deborah became judge. 
There are only two judges and prophets in the history of Israel. I mean, the same people that were both judge and prophet. The very first one is Deborah. The second one is Samuel. So they had administrative roles of being judges, and then they had spiritual roles of being prophets. So Deborah was both a prophet or prophetess, as you will call her, and what? A judge. So these were the kind of things that were going on when Deborah was judge. I need you to note something, please. Deborah was already a judge because you read this story, you may think that the Israelites had problems with Sisera and Jabin, you know, and the Canaanites, and then the Lord decided to risk um, Deborah. No, look at the story very well. Deborah was already a judge. The Bible records that she used to go under the tree, okay, of Deborah and then be ministering to the people, judging between them. So this was what was going. And of course, she was also a prophetess. You know, she had that call on her life. So this problem came up and then the Lord prophesied through her towards Barak and said, this is what we are going to do or this is what you people are going to do so that Israel can be saved at a time like this. And then you go back to chapter 5 where the story mentions that, you know, that song, Deborah herself said, until I, Deborah, did what? Arose, number one. That arise there was used two times. That's why I kept saying comma. I don't think the Bible likes to be verbose. You know, let them say, let me say so many, so many. If you say it so many times, it's something, there's something the Bible is trying to tell you. It's not verbose unnecessarily. But the Bible says that until I, Deborah, did what? Arose. Deborah came up first. And the Lord now saw that Deborah can be used as a mother in Israel. If someone understands it. Because it's easy to stay here and say, you know, I call it irresponsible Christianity. You know, where we say, Father, make me. Father, use me. Father, here I am. Thank God for that. Amen. What are you doing to be ready to be used? Until I, Deborah, first of all what? Arose. She had seen what was happening. Israel was a big mess. There was no village life. People could not even go through the roads. I don't have to talk too much. How many of us can travel from here to Jigawa? By road. Even to enter a train is a problem. It was a mess then. People were despondent. Nothing was working. Village life was non-existent. But the Bible records, Deborah talking about herself said, she did what arose. I believe she came to a point where she said, Father, this can't continue anymore. If you can use anything, use me. Then when that happened, she arose as a mother. Is someone getting that? Now the question, because I'm going to be asking us questions. Thank God for warriors. It's beautiful, and we did a wonderful job. Queens, God bless you. First of all, you look resplendent. You look beautiful. And um, aren't you just happy to be a woman? Hmm? Oh, yeah, I, I believe that's one of the greatest things God did for me, making me a woman. I would not have it any other way. You look beautiful. You look wonderful. You are lovely people. Sometimes I wonder what the world would have looked like without women. Would have all been gray and dark. Is someone understanding? All square, no circles. Is someone getting what I'm talking about? There won't be any drama. What is the world without drama? You know, so I'm, I'm happy to be a woman. Sometimes I pity this, the generation that has come now. My daughter was telling me, she said I should be careful the way I'm attacking their generation. That after we, we are the ones who gave birth to them. That's true. I agree. You know, the Gen Zs. Hello? Any Gen Zs in the house? Praise God. Or just so you know, the Gen X's, who happen to be most of us seated here, gave birth to them. So whatever it is they are doing, we are responsible. 
We train them. Is someone understanding? So the question is, what are we doing? How are we arising? That's the question I came to ask us. In every facet, in every area of our lives, how are we arising? How are we ready and prepared such that God will look through a million people and stop where you are and say, I'm going to use you. How? This woman understand, not only was she doing her job, because the Bible records that the administrative job she was given, which is to be a judge, she was doing it well. She was doing it well. There was no problem there. Because people will gather. The few who still believed God will come to Deborah and say, what does the law say when my um, neighbor steals my goat? And Deborah will consult and say, the Lord says you should replace the goat with seven other goats. So she was doing her work well. It wasn't a problem. But with these other things that were happening in the nation of Israel, God needed someone. And Deborah was also available to be used. Why I'm saying this is that it's easy for us to look into the scripture and to castigate ourselves and remove ourselves from something and say, after all, she was a prophetess. After all, they made her a judge. Who am I to be Deborah? Deborah, I can't be you. You can't be me. So continue to do your thing while I do my thing. No. In this particular incident of being a mother in Israel, Deborah was responsible. She arose and then she arose as a mother in Israel. Looking at the time and I want to look at, because there are some things I want to say. And I want to look at five ways we can arise. Is that okay? Five ways we can arise. Number one, we must arise as warriors for the nation and community, just like Deborah did. And I'm just asking us, the Bible said everybody did what was right, you know, in his own eyes, just like today. You know, the problem is that people have different eye problems. You see, it's my field. So some are myopic, some are hyperopic, some are stigmatic, some have pressed biopia. Some even have problems we can't even begin to decipher at the point, their pathologies. Okay, so if everybody is seen, because you know, those who are short-sighted don't see far. Then, then if you are seriously also long-sighted, you don't see far. If you are pressed by your peak, you can't even read what is near. So there are different ways. So imagine that all of us are seeing as we want. Then that means we will have problems. Because if you are not seeing far, you go to the road to go and drive, you will hit somebody on the road. So there was a problem. Everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes, whether they had an eye problem or not. This was the situation there. This was what was going on. But the Bible records that Deborah rose up. James 1.25 says, But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall what? Be blessed in his deed. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, I'm reading from the Amplified Classic. It says, And all of us as with unveiled face, because we continued to behold in the word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. Deborah displayed her leadership first as a counselor, discussing solutions for the people of God. That was what she did. You see, the civil court system was inept. The military was weak to defend the national borders. The priesthood of what had been a theocracy was impotent and ineffective. That was that time. Normal life was no longer possible. People could bring their issues and have her resolve them fairly, just liquidably and amicably. This was Deborah's scope of work. 
What is your scope of work today? Are you a part of Nigeria's problem? Are you a part of the solution? You know, it's easy for us to sit where we are and judge other people. Dad came here and one time back and, and he said something, you know, and, and dad would always, you know, talk to us and admonish us to live right because it's by our fruits we are known. We can't claim Christianity when our actions don't align. And then he said something, I've never forgotten it. It's many years back now. He said, how we start is from our own corner. Our own little corner. Because listen, we are 200 and something million in Nigeria. If you look at the problems of Nigeria today, you will be discouraged. And I don't even care how much faith you have. It looks like it's impossible. It looks like nothing can be done about this nation. Many have left. But the question is, how, where will 220 something million of us go? Who will even allow us? Those who have gone ahead have spoiled our name there. My daughter was telling me two days ago that she just realized she has been looking for accommodation. You know, where she went to school. She said she just realized every time she tells them she's Nigerian, they'll say, um, they'll give her one excuse. She hasn't found accommodation. The girl hasn't even been to UK to go and read, study before. But a Nigerian who has gone earlier has spoiled everything for her. So where are you even going? And let me tell you, the Lord knew what he was doing when he put us in this nation at a time like this. Is someone understanding that? He knew what he was doing. It's not a mistake. One man of God said that God never says, uh-oh, I agree. He's never surprised. There's no such thing as, ah, I could have put Chichi in US. No, he put me here because he knows I'm capable. He knows that at a time like this, he can depend on me to arise as a warrior in this nation. We don't know. I, I tell people, maybe people are, are being led to Japan. I, I am not. I guess I think I can actually Japan if I want to. I think I have visas. I can go there and stay. You know, stay long enough. And do some of these other things that the people are doing there just to get papers. But I have never had it in my heart. Us as a family to live from here. And one thing I know is that the husband's man is the first partaker. We are here for a time as this. The question I'm asking you is, are you here as part of Nigeria's problem or as a solution? Simple question. What are you doing in your little corner to arise as a warrior, just like Deborah did? What are you doing? It's in little things. Dad was saying it that time. It's in beating traffic light. Is someone understanding me? It's in taking little bribery, you know, little corruption here and there. It's in the way we relate to people. It's in the way we talk to people. What are we doing is my question. How are we arising in our nation at a time like this? When people are asking, who will show us who we can follow? Anyone who can do us good. How are we doing it? What are we doing? Deborah arose. That time wasn't a, an easy time. They said, you know, when the Bible takes time to describe the manner of chariots that the enemies are coming with, better know that is something important. The Bible called them chariots of what? Iron. It's like saying now, yes, that time, you know, now, what is chariots of iron? But that time, it was a big deal. It's like now, somebody saying that um, an America is coming against Nigeria with nukes, nuclear deal. How? Now? How? Even those of us who don't want to japa will japa at that time. Is someone understanding? Because, I mean, their weapons of warfare can't be compared with what we have today. But the Bible mentioned it. This was what they were up against. And remember that God's face was no longer with them. Because they had messed up big time. Israel was in a mess. But one woman arose. 
She got up. It didn't take two. It didn't take three. For those of us who are waiting, till we are plenty, till we are many, start from your own nook and cranny, from your niche. Start from there. Do something. How are you arising in a nation like this? You know, I was looking at the, the lectures yesterday, some of the things that we are coming at the mess again. Then I saw where, you know, the thugs came and scattered the whole polling boot, boot, did everything. And the person they interviewed said that they went back or that they ran, because you know how these things are. That they ran, but they came back and they said, ah, ah, these thugs, how many are they? They are five, they are six, maximum ten. They don't have guns. They have sticks. They were using sticks. They were using sticks to beat fellow citizens. They said, no, we will regroup and go back. We are going to vote. And they went back, they regrouped, went back, and they voted, and they counted the votes. And they, you, know, you understand what I'm saying? Your little corner, what are you doing? What are you doing? That's the question. How are you arising? What are you doing? Can God count on you? We are in different places where we are walking. God is looking. His eyes are going to and fro, looking, looking, watching. Who can I use? We are in different parastatals. And we think the only thing we should go there is to eat granite in the morning. Have you been to a Nigerian parastatal before? The federal ministries. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry. I said I was going to be a bit open so that we can learn some things. Uh, so, in case you don't like me, no problem. What are we doing? I don't think it's a mistake that we are placed in where we are now. The different areas. You know, I was having a, a few issues with where I work. And I thank God every day for my husband. And I called earlier on, again, early this week, to tell him. I said, they did this. He said, they just caught me midway. He said, I don't want to hear again. I said, why are you talking like this now? They are oppressing me. He said, no, I don't want to hear. You were there for a time like this. So why are you complaining? Shh, the complaint dried. Because I was looking so much into my discomfort that I wasn't seeing the bigger picture. That God may have put me there for such a time as this. What are we doing is my question. The way we are walking is the way our children are seeing it. Unfortunately, we have a generation today who says that what you're doing is so loud, they can't hear what you're saying. They are looking at you, they're observing you. An extremely intelligent generation. You don't have to talk too much. Just do what you want them to do and they will follow you. What are you doing? How are you teaching them? If they are seeing you bringing out bribe from one corner and giving the other, they are seeing you. Even when you call them and say, hey, in this kingdom, we don't take bribe. Don't worry. They've seen the one you are doing. They're not seeing the one you are seeing. Simple. What are we doing? How are we teaching our children? What are we showing them? At a time like this, Deborah arose. I'm just saying this because if we want the Nigeria of our dreams, if we want the communities of our dreams, we must arise as warriors. Is it easy? And uh, it's tough on the flesh. It's very tough on the flesh. I don't see it easy. I mean, you know, it's easier to take bribe. Yes, now think about it. Somebody comes from one corner in this time and season and gives you $1,000 when you have money and you can't even access it from the bank. Our own is even worse because money has failed. I've never seen this kind of thing in my life before. You have money. You can't buy something. I was passing yesterday. If you see these mangoes, beautiful mangoes like this, eh? in the basket, the mango was calling my name. You know, and ideally, I should just break and go buy mango. I don't have cash. I have money, but I don't have cash. I can't buy mango. So I went home, you know, meditating on the taste of mango. This is the time we found ourselves. And what I'm saying is that God didn't say, uh-oh, I didn't know. 
Maybe I made a mistake putting them. No, 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 no such thing. The one we are serving is the one that saw today from thousands of years ago. He knows us more than we know him. I'm saying this because there are some parts here who are despondent. But what I am saying is that in your own little way, in your own little corner, you can still arise. It's in little things. So she arose. That's the first one. Deborah arose. She showed leadership qualities. And then she did what the Lord sent her to do. Number two. Deborah arose in her marriage. So must we. You know, I, my primary ministry is the ministry of healing. But I found the Lord moving me more into, you know, the marriage ministry and, you know, um, you know counseling and all that. And um, the mess that is there is another level altogether. It's something else. She rose in her marriage. Let me explain. Because the only thing we know about Deborah and her marriage is Lapidot. Hello. Uh, because this culture will usually not just mention somebody without a reference to their genealogy. Go through the Bible, you'll see them. Genealogy always mattered. If you went an aristocrat, they'll mention you the way they mentioned Lapidot. Yeah, Deborah's Lapidot. But if you came from the aristocratic family, usually they'll mention your father, mother, grandfather, and all that. So, but they just said, Deborah, the wife of who? Lapidot. I want to stop here and say something. Lapidot must have been a good man. That's what I believe. Because if Labi thought we are like some of the brothers, brothers here today, Deborah, we won't hear Deborah's name. It won't be here, self, for us to know whether there was a Deborah. Immediately, Deborah arranges herself to go and uh, do judgment. Labi thought will come. Deborah, yes. Have you fed the children? Where are you going to come and sit down here? No. Labi must have been an extremely good man to Deborah. One who encouraged her. That must have been lapidot. I'm going to be talking two ways because marriage is between two people, isn't it? Yeah. So, the Bible mentions lapidot. That means she was married. That means even in her marriage, she found stability. You know, with doing what she was called to do as well as what her primary role is, which is being a wife and mother. Lapidot, on the other hand, also understood the grace the wife carried. And helped her in it. I always say this. God, I know, has reserved a very special place for husbands who support their wives in heaven. Because there won't be any story of Lebdeborah without Lapidot. Let's not fool ourselves. This culture was completely patriarchal. If the man said no, no, meant no. And it didn't matter who called you. So here was Deborah. With all of that call on her life, she had a man called Lapidot. Deborah was able to get that balance between home and because whether we like it or not as women, brethren, our first ministry is our homes. The very first institution that was established is the marriage institution like we know. That's our first ministry. And I'm going to stop here and say something. You see, marriage is simple. Just like every other thing in the word of God. The thing there is to do it according to God's word. Prescription. Simple. That's it. We can't want to do something and go against God's word about it. It won't work. If you don't want to do it that way, then it's okay. Follow the secular way. Go do it and stop disturbing the church of God. If you are going to do it God's way, then you are going to look into the Bible and find out what he said. 
Psalm 19, starting from 7, says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It makes what? Wise, the simple. You go to 11, it says, More to be desired are they than gold. Finer, more to be desired are they than gold. That is God's word. What does the word of God say? Do it! When women come and I tell them, I say, This is what God's word said. Can we just do it? Can we stop saying but and perhaps? Why is it difficult? Why do we want results when we don't want to put in the work? The one who made something has given you a manual in the way it should work. And you are making excuses. Some of us have gone. We have people. Listen, it's not everybody that should be your friend. If that person is not leading you along the ways of God, leave them. And I don't care who they are. I don't care what they have. I don't care what they can do. Leave them. I'm talking to women because we can be, you know, shaking. You know, we see, we want to be doing the right thing, but we see one friend who comes from there, who is wearing a shebi every weekend. And then her husband will not hear because he doesn't have money to give us their shebi. And then it becomes a problem. Listen, calm down. I'm talking. When I finish, I'll go here. Is someone understanding what I'm saying? Arise in your marriage. Marriages are a mess. The divorce rates today in Christianity, you wonder if it's God we are serving. People are going online where everything that happens online is filtered. You can't even see anybody's face who looks like them. Everything is filtered and photoshopped, airbrushed. So when we go there, we take advice from people who know nothing about God, know nothing about the institution, have never been there. Some of them that have been there are making a mess of their own and the, the devil has sent them to scatter your own. And then that is where you go to get advice. And then when it fails, you come to Pastor Momichi. Uh, um, this man, that man. Let's stop deceiving ourselves. Arise in your marriage. Did they tell you to do it? Do it! The one who wrote it there. He knows how to avenge. Is someone understanding? Do it! Ephesians 5, 22. It's simple. I've tried to look at that scripture. Hmm? Turn it upside down. Bring it down. Inside out. To see if it means what it did. But I can't find. It's a simple thing. It said, wives, do what? Submit. That's what they said. Submit. Submit. As unto who? They gave us the way to do it for what if they had just said submit? Eh, we will say they, our understanding of submission is that we give you food. We don't give you water to bath. But the Bible didn't say that. The Bible told us exactly how. You see, these ones are watching. Do you know that? You don't know that you are indirectly responsible for whether there are marriages, more marriages in the church than you know. Because there are singles here who are watching our marriages. And every day, your matter is on the court of law in the church. They'll say, no, we can't. If this is marriage, let us stay. People are watching. Your children are watching. There is a lot of trauma going on in this present Gen Z's. All you have to do is to go online and see it. But you see, if they can take good example from what a marriage should be from yours, it won't be a problem. It's a foregone conclusion. But if when you get to the house, all you are doing is that you are criticizing your husband, you are being cynical with everything he does, you are cursing him out, you are fighting him, you are keeping she money. Let's not go there. How is your marriage? How are you arising? Are you saying, Father, it doesn't matter what it is that is going on? 
I take your word for it. What you said to do, I will do it. And that's it. I submit to you first. And because you said, when I submit to you, that all will be well. I'll do that and I'll stay there. Is that your attitude? Or are you part of those who say, eh, not in this generation. If he wants it, if he does anyhow, I'll show him anyhow. That's how your marriage is, eh, anyhow. The men, Ephesians 5.25. You see, this Ephesians 5.22, they wrote, I think it's just one or two verses, if I'm sure. 25 is almost eight verses. Where they are explaining to the men, I'm talking about husbands on how to love their wives. Yeah, I think if they had just said husbands love their wife, husbands can also say what we understand by love is hugging her in the morning and that ends it. No, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible explained how it should be done. And the general summary of the whole thing is to love her as Christ did what? <laughs> love the church. That's what the Bible says. Is that what you're doing? Are you a lapidot or an anti-lapidot? How are you loving your own self? You see, your wife is you. Your wife is you. Your wife is not your neighbor. She's you. No man ever, the Bible says, beated himself. How are you loving your wife? How are you helping her? There are all forms of abuses going on today in church. And you know, we come here every Sunday, we cover it up with Christianese. And everybody looks good. But when we walk out of here, the people to ask are your neighbors. They are the ones to ask. How you are living your life. How you are rising in your family. They are the ones. What are you doing? How are you helping her? A lot of what is going on. Because when I was talking about the Lord said to mention this. You see? You see? There is an abuse that is going on now. I realized that 20, 30 years ago it wasn't there. It's called financial abuse. Mm -hmm. Financial abuse. That's what it's called. You know what it is? Go and check forms of abuses. Google has added it. Financial abuse, before it was sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, psychological abuse, all of those. You know, but this one is financial. They added it. Where a man who is the head of the home is so lazy that he takes, doesn't take care of his family. The Bible said, let that man be considered worse than an infidel. You know, sometimes I wonder where we learn some of these things from. You know, remember when I, I started, I mentioned, you know, my Italian pastor. I remember... And that was one of the stories I heard coming into church about 20 years ago. Where he mentioned that things were so hard. So hard for him. That he arranged this car for what? Airport taxi. Entered into the car and was driving. He had made up it on his way. Was when the breakthrough came in. And God said, come back, come back, come back. I've seen your heart. Some of us are here. And listen, I don't care how powerful, strong and solid your wife is. Your role in the home. Is as a provider. Now, am I saying all the money we can know? But you must be seen to be doing something. That you wake up in the morning and you go nowhere. That you stay in a place, you have a car, you can't do Uber. How now? Check them. That you cannot, things are so hard. You cannot enter into that next place where they are carrying block. This job, I think it's up to 5,000 now. Listen, as women, we love men that lead. Is when you go inside there and carry that block. The money you may be bringing home may not be up to the one we have made from outside. But because we have seen that you have shown yourself worthy as the leader of the home, there's nothing we won't do for you. When you come back, we will boil water. We will massage the, you know, the one, what do you call it? The one pack you have at the center. We'll massage it. That's us. It's the way a woman wants to be led. It's ingrained. It's inbuilt. 
one of the major complaints today by women is coming up and saying, that man is doing nothing. I'm the one doing everything at home. I am paying the school fees. I am putting food on the table. I am going around. And you ask, what is the man doing? Nothing. How do you mean nothing? Nothing. You ask, is it that he tries, but nothing comes? At least let's know that he's trying because of the way they, they say, no, nothing. He's doing nothing. He's comfortable with the woman being the head of the home. So what kind of head are you when you have let the woman do the things that make her head? What are we doing? How are you arising in your marriage? How? That's my question. This guy here, Lapidot, was a good man. Deborah was equally a good woman because there was balance in their home. How are you arising? Number three, we must arise in our homes. Marriage is different from home. We must arise in our homes. When I mean home, I mean children. And then I mean the, even the extended family. We must arise. The Bible called Deborah a mother in Israel. Mother means mother, is it not? Yes, I believe she had her own biological children. But she was also a mother to the whole of Israel. At least she, found, she called herself that. So we, we take her seriously. We must arise in our homes. I want to say something here. Let me read a few scriptures so that you understand the extent that the enemy is fighting. You know, I think it's only Christians who are not. You know, the Lord spoke to me recently and he told me, he said, do you know that in heaven there is no comedy? You know, we don't come and we say, you know, heaven is not the people you say, eh, hey, Father, I, it was a joke. That thing I said yesterday was a joke. No, there is no such thing. Eh? Mark eleven twenty three. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to. The Bible says he shall not have whatsoever he does what? Say it. Is he joke it? Say it. Is someone understanding? Life and death are where? In the power of the tongue. The Bible has never told us that there is a time you will come and say something. Say, eh, it was a joke. Oh, devil, don't go with it. I was only joking. There is no such thing. We actually think that some of the things we study in scriptures are jokes. They are not. There's frontal contention for our children. You know before, the devil will joke small. Or, you know, he will just do like this. And we will shout and he will go. No, not anymore. It's frontal. <laughs> it's frontal. This generation is identifying as cow, goat, non-binary, uh, homosexual, cat. I want Gen Z actually married herself. Then divorced herself one week later. I saw it. I read it in the news. Yes. There is a mess going on with this generation. And the thing is that God will ask us questions. I wish you just give birth and leave it. No. You will answer for what you did with that seed God put in your hand. We will answer. We will. That's why when people come today, they want to marry. Tell them, please. You see, if you don't want to have children, it's also fine. But if you want to have, be ready and prepare. Because there is a contention. These people don't want to hear anything. They are not ready to cook. They are not ready to clean. The one that was running for them last week. No, one woman came, one girl came out there, Gen Z, and said she's not going to cook. When she comes, that she's going to get someone who will make the stew, make the... Then some, a man was asking her, said, how do you bond with your children? She said she'll bond over other things. We are dealing with a generation that is, has collode. We are not even understanding it is the problem. Do you go online at all? You think it's a joke? Those people are not playing. That is the way they view life. Is that the generation we want to raise for God? How will they raise their own generation? I'm asking. Somebody wakes up and says, I am neither male nor female. Call me them. They. Pronoun. They. How? Okay, they is here. Because I, I sat there, I wanted to ask, how do you even speak that English? One person is they. 
So there is here. See how English is changing. I'm talking about the home. I'm talking about the home, my brethren. Do we understand that these children, that we didn't give birth to them, so that it will be that we have married, and now we have married, the next thing we are being expected to do is to have children after nine months, have one, have two, then you look at Mama Nkechi, Mama Nkechi has five, and you really don't like Mama Nkechi, so you make your own six. Is that what we think? When the Lord spoke to me about my children, he told me, said, I didn't send you. You see these ones? <laughs> they are the first. I always tell people, I say, I have enough grace for five. Said these ones, do you know where your children are? Do you know what they are doing? Do you know who they hang out with? Do you know where they go to? You see, Yahoo, Yahoo boys come from families. They have mothers, they have fathers. Prostitutes. Okay, sorry, it's no longer prostitute according to this generation. It's now what? Hook up. Huh. It's a mess. They call it hook up. When we were growing up, they called it a shower. Where is hook up? That's what they call it. So sorry, but those girls come from homes, isn't it? Don't we have mothers who their children come back doing nothing? You don't know of any means of income, but they come and then they bring you a car and then you go to church and you give thanksgiving. You haven't asked them what they are doing, what, where they've got it from. You haven't done anything. Are there no longer mothers? We are primary nurturers. That's who we are. Ours is not a role we can delegate. We can't even delegate it to the fathers. We can't. Oh yeah, fathers, there is a role. Because your daughters especially are watching you. Your sons are also watching you. If you are beating your wife, duka duka, daily, they are saying, oh, that is the way women should be treated. Tomorrow they will marry, they will do the same thing. They are watching. Your daughters are watching. Is this the way men behave? People are projecting their trauma on others. Because they have been traumatized at home. So they are bleeding on people who didn't cut them. Fathers, you are needed at home. Come home. I know some of you were trained with absent fathers. Turn it around. Rise up in your home. Let your children see you and say, "Mm -mm, the barest minimum I can do with any man is the way my father lived with my mom. The way he showed us how a home should be. Let your children see that. Arise. Arise as fathers. There is a dearth of fathers today. And the funny thing is that we go to the West to go and copy everything wrong from them. Have you seen their families there? Have you seen their homes? Maybe America, America. Have you seen it? You can't even caution children. They will take them from you and put them in foster homes. And then traumatize them over and over again. And those are the places we want to go to. Because with a study that has been done over several studies, one thing has been missing. Missing fathers. Missing dads. The women will nurture. But your children are watching. They're watching you. They're looking at you. What are you doing? Some of that time you spend watching football. eh? Trust me, you can spend it sitting down and finding out from your son how he's doing. What is going on? How is school? Who are your friends? Where do you hang out? Asking your daughter simple questions. I said I was going to read the scripture because it looks like I'm talking from my head a lot. I said here, I said the mother that, that does not know that her life is generational will lose focus. We are beyond now. What we teach our children, they will teach their children who will teach their children who will teach their children. We are beyond now. Praise God. I am yet to see any great man or woman who was asked what made him excel as a Christian. Now, the person mentions their dad. They always mention mom. I had a praying mom. 
everywhere. I had a praying mom. I had a mom. I had a mom who watched over me. Who did, was always mom. It's always mom, 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 mom. The Wesleys was their mom. I think they were 12 in number. Almost, I think almost all of them were men. Every morning, that woman is giving them a shower. And she's talking to them. And she's saying, you shall be great. You shall serve the Lord. You shall be this. She was speaking to them. Those guys grew up knowing nothing except service to the Lord. The Wesleys. It was a mom. She was illiterate. She was a homemaker. But she was faithful. And God judges faithfulness. He doesn't judge position. Malachi 2.15. He says, and did not he make one? In fact, let me read it from NLT, please. New Living Translation. It says, Let's start from 13. 13 says, here is another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning because he pays no attention to your offsprings and doesn't accept them with pleasure. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young. But you have been unfaithful to her. Though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Please, can you read? What does he want? Did you see that? From your union. So what did he say? So guard your heart and remain what? Loyal to the wife of your wife. Did you see what he wants? Hello. What does he want? He wants godly children. So if somebody is asking one of the reasons we marry, yes. Is to populate the earth. Yeah. But to populate the earth with what? Uh, yes, godly children. Those ones in your home, are they godly? Do you even know what they are doing? When we were in university, we used to help people who came from their fathers, we are pastors and bishops. You know, they would leave the home, you know, dressed, you know, Maria And then, but inside the bag is micro mini. Do you even know? That's the question. Do you know where your children are? Those of us who have girls, what are they wearing? I'm going to corners today. I'm sure you didn't think. I'm asking, what are they wearing? It's also easy though, you know, for you to first of all find out what you are wearing. Because usually your daughters will go to your wardrobe. Yeah, what are you wearing? What are they wearing? What are you teaching them? Are you telling them not to be satisfied with the bodies God gave them? That they should save the first five million, go to a doctor in Lagos and get a BBL? With the Botox, is that what you're teaching them? You don't even understand. 18 year olds are doing it. Some of us are looking like this as if we are not going online. And meanwhile, all of you, I see you online. Oh, you are all making me look like I'm the only one who goes online. I see all of you online. So let's not be, you know. Are they not seeing? What are they? How are they dressing? Are you on top of the game? Or are you saying, hey, it's just children? It's just their generation. They can appear naked. So their clothes are high up. These ones are low down. What are your daughters wearing? Abraham, Genesis 18, 17 to 19. Don't worry, I'm rounding up. Genesis 18, 17 to 19. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing, note, why? Why was the reason? Seeing that Abraham shall do what? Surely become a great and mighty nation and all nations of the earth shall be what? Blessed in him, 19. For I know him. Brethren, are you known? For I know him that he will do what? Command his children and his household after him. And they shall do what? Keep the way of the Lord. To do justice and judgment. Let's stop there. He said, I know. Does the Lord know you? Does he know, like Abraham, that you will pass the things you know about him to the next generation? Can he trust you? 
as a father? Can he trust you as a mother? Because, you know, fathers have this bad habit of waiting for the mothers to do all things spiritual in the home. Meanwhile, the father is the head. Ideally, if we want to know how a home is doing, we should get you to hold this microphone and pray. Let's see how you pray. Whether you say, good morning, Jesus, good morning. When you finish, you stop it there. That's how to know. But you know, fathers have relegated their duties to their wives. But the children are watching. He said, I know Abraham. I know him. Does he know you? Does he know me? I know. Moses. Exodus 10, 8 to 11. And Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh. And he said unto them, go, serve the Lord your God. For who are they that shall go? And Moses said, we will go with our young and with our old, with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our heads. We will go. For we must hold the feast unto the Lord. And Pharaoh said unto them, let the Lord be so with you. As I will let you go and your little ones. Look to it for evil is before your eyes. Actually, if you read it in the morning, it's saying that, see, you people can go. But you see these little ones, leave them. What was the contention for the little ones? Why tell them, go? You all can go, but your little, because that, those little ones are the next generation. The enemy knows that when he catches the next generation, he has messed up a group of people. That was Pharaoh. Very smart. He said, go, but leave the children. These ones that we have here. These ones that are at the back here. You want to know whether you are successful as a Christian? How well do they turn out? How, how well do they turn out, those people? That's the question. How? You know, when David cut off Goliath's head, the very first question that Saul asked is, who are his parents? Who are his parents? Always. Who are, where, where, where are your parents? Who, who are they? Who, whose child is this guy? We want to know. Because in Saul's mind, the parents did a good job with David. What kind of job are doing? I'm talking about home. Talked about children. The last part of it is about your extended family. Are you arising there? Extended, how, how are you arising in your extended family? And when I talk about extended family, I'm talking about in-laws. Hello? Uh, I'm talking about in-laws. Some of us are in Dahoski, Bahose. We don't like peace. We like war. Immediately, we come into a place, we scatter it. Meanwhile, we are supposed to go in there and bring peace. We are peacemakers. That's who we are. We give peace, not as the world gives. That's who we are. We have scattered our father's home. We've entered our husband's zone. We are saying, it's you people and I. When I'm done with you, you will see how far. You know, I was reading when Jesus was speaking. And Jesus says something. You know, he said that when he comes, he's bringing war. Between, note there, in that place. He didn't say father-in-law and son-in-law. Why saw mother-in-law and daughter-in-law? I said, Chat, it's not today this thing started. Started long before now. What kind of in-law are you? I'm talking, looking at my sisters. Anyway, I look, you know that is. What kind of in-law? You've come into a place. Most people are getting how they should treat their in-laws from online. So you go in line, they say, eh, I, I cannot tolerate any woman who does any how to me because I'm married to the son. Look at you. The thing there is that we are a kukuma in Africa. If they ask these ones who will come first, Eh? You'll be shocked. They'll choose their moms. So borrow sense and pick your battles wisely. What kind of in-law are you? I'm asking. How are you arising your extended family? Are you that woman that gets there and they say, hey, she has come. Everything is going to be alright. Or hey, caterpillar has come. What kind of person are you? What are you doing? If there was no peace in that place, it's your duty to introduce peace. That's what you do. 
But some of us, we never forget. The way our mothers-in-law looked at us 30 years ago, when we saw them for the very first time, we remember what they were wearing, where they were sitting, and how they looked at us. And because of that, we must pay them in your own coin. You know, somebody said something. By the time I'm saying my parents are not doing well, my children are old enough to say I'm also not doing well. Be careful, because what you sow, you will reap. Shabi, you have sons. Same thing I say. Sons, if you have a problem with the way your husband was raised, you know, many of us come, any time they come, he's always, you know, and these the women, because they want their marriages to work, they're the ones who come for counseling. My, my husband this, my husband that, my, no problem. I don't have a problem with that. The first question I ask them is, make sure all these complaints you have up your husband, you are not replicating them in your sons. But you know, some of us are training sons, eh? who if we don't take time, they'll be worse than our husbands. God forbid. What are we doing? Are you arising in your home? After now, some of us have to make calls. Some people need to make calls. I need to say, I'm sorry, mama. I'm sorry, papa. Ephesians 6, 1 and 2, please. I want you to sit and talk to the children and then I'm almost done here. Ephesians 6, 1 and 2. If you have a, a, a father or a mother who is alive, this is your scripture. Look at it. Children, do what? Obey your parents where? In the Lord, for this is what? Right. Honor what? Thy father and mother, which is what? The first commandment we eat, promise. Um, three, that it may be what? Well with thee, and that thou do what? Mayest do what? Live long on the earth. You know, in my healing ministry, sometimes I hear God tell me, don't pray for that person. Just tell them to go and make peace with their father, with their mother. Just go. Tell them. That's it. And I've seen it over and over again. Immediately they do that, everything is fine. The sickness goes away. Meanwhile, we have laid hands. We have sank into oil and brought out. We have done everything that needs to be done. And nothing has happened. But immediately they get it because it's God's word. It's God's word too. Why do we pick and choose what we, what we want? It's his word. Children, can you hear me? Do you know this scripture? What did God say there? Praise God. Are you obeying your parents? Do you know if you want everything to go well with you, that you should obey your parents? So that you will not be sick. And so that you can live long on the earth. Amen. Number four. We must arise in the church. This, these ones are short and I'm done here. We must arise in the church. You see, eh, 2020 showed people's hearts. It was after 2020 I started hearing that people now have online churches. They have online. It should be when something happens to you. Is that online pastor that is resident in America that will come? Hello? Eh? He's the one who will come and do baptism for your children. He's the one who will dedicate them, Abby. He's the one who will join a husband and wife. He's the one who will counsel. From 2020, the enemy introduced something. Listen, we come together as brethren. Don't neglect this gathering. Don't do that. And it has nothing to do with perfection. Because nowhere is perfect. In fact, if it's perfect, immediately you enter inside, it becomes imperfect. It's not about the brethren. We will hurt each other if we are walking close enough. We will quack each other. It's not about them. We will quarrel. We will make up. But we must not neglect the gathering of the brethren. We must arise. And I'm not just talking about coming to Sunday, Sunday church. What are you doing? Are you invested in church? Do they even know you? Is there someone that knows you attend this church? Are you a worker? Is there something you are doing? That is blessing the next person. Are you arising in church? Our nation is the way it is today. Because the church hasn't gotten her priorities. All right? I hope you know. I hope you know that the mirror, that image of a nation 
is directly related to how are you what are you doing in church how strong are you how committed are you what are you doing the last one we must arise in our workplace i've mentioned that before how do they see you at work sorry how is it how is it some of us have our offices are more born again than we are immediately we enter the office we say satan run away jesus is here and we see all those posters everywhere but the people that are sitting behind those desks the wickedness in their hearts you wonder if they are christians how are you arising in church in at work sorry how are you treating your subordinates employers and employees if you are an employee are you stealing Shabby, we are talking about warriors this is how warriors used to behave it's like this a warrior is a no-nonsense person we are an occupational army the bible said occupy till i come we war from a place of victory what are you doing let's be up on our feet thank you You've been listening to a message from the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashankari, Abuja. 9 a.m. on Sundays and 6 p.m. on Wednesdays. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.